0: Well, really an honor to be here and to be allowed to preach. I was told I have 20 minutes, which I've never preached a sermon in 20 minutes in my life. So that will be a miracle. But uh, my name is Carl Jan Christian Roth. Like we said, I'm working for the IMB. And um, that's a part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And just wanted to say a brief word about that because I know up here up north, we're kind of like removed from that. So the IMB is an awesome organization. We've had a great experience. It is the largest, most strategic um, missions agency in the world, actually, or at least in America. Maybe non-Catholic, you'd say. Um, And it's an awesome, awesome thing. So, you know, thank you for your support through that. Keep doing that. What is the IMB all about? Um, Because it's huge and it's kind of been in different places. But they're at a really good place, I would say, theologically. And also, they're really just focused. We're just focused on on lostness, reaching the lost, whatever that looks like. Um, We want to penetrate lostness all over the world. There's unreached places in India and all these places all over the world, um, and and, and in our our case, in Northern Europe, secular, post Christian, and we just want to reach the lost. We want to see the lost come to Christ. So, a couple of stories before I dig into preaching um, about what we're doing. Yeah, we're planting New Song Church, and it's been slow. We've been through a pandemic and had our own set of challenges over there. We actually couldn't meet basically at all for like a year and a half. So um, we launched our church plant at the very end of that. And let me just tell you one story about a guy named Jakob Sko. Jakob sko means forest. Um, so that's Danish. And uh, I, I met him at a church, actually, that's kind of helping us start a Baptist church there. And I remember meeting him. He's an older gentleman. And... You know, never went to college, which is pretty unique in Denmark, and um, works at Mask, which is the shipping company. You've probably seen Mask shipping crates going on trains by here. And um, he got this apprenticeship out of high school, and he's worked there his whole life. But anyway, I met him, and I was like, this guy seems awesome. He's super faithful, godly guy, and um, he's going to church, which is very rare, you know, for Danes. And um, I was like, man, if he could catch a vision for for reaching Danes and his peers, using his influence as really kind of, he's moved up as a manager in this global company, and and I, I, I met him and you know when I first met him he was kind of like, like didn't say anything to me he was kind of like mm, you know like that you know and very quiet quiet guy good guy and um, I was like hey can we like you know like talk get your number you know doing the American kind of style like hey you know like chatty chatty you know and he was like okay and he gave me his number and I was like yes you know and and then I texted him, no response, uh, I texted him for like a year, like off and on, I'd like, ch- i check in with him, like, hey, Jakob, you know, because um, he was just awesome, he was a really rare, faithful, godly, mature Christian man, Dane, and finally he texted me back when right around the time we were going to launch the church, and we got coffee, he came to the, the church launch night, and he has been this rock ever since. His faithfulness was there, and I was right about that, but the Lord has changed him. He's opening his home to other Danes who are challenging, you know. He's, um, he's setting up, he's helping translate our, our sermons um, from Danish to English, and, and just praise the Lord for how he's raising him up. Um, and then one other thing I want to share, you guys know my mom, Karina, many of you, not all of you, but some of you have, um, and Jeff. And they have been in Stockholm for about 10 years. They moved, my mom moved back, and so my dad is also there. I'm Swedish myself. Um, and they've basically been going to church for a long time at, at a church that they, they didn't really like. It was kind of a pragmatic church, wasn't very biblical, and they thought it was all they could find. But we've actually started this network of churches called TGC Nordic through the Gospel Coalition. Um, I can tell you more about that. If you guys want to talk at, at, the, at the park or something, but we have this group of pastors that are committed to, to preaching the word and not just like leaning on the Bible, you know what I'm saying, but letting the word of God do the work. Some of you guys like to do woodwork, right? You know, if you, if you take the saw and you try to make the saw do the work, we, we, we really want to gather a group of pastors to say, no, we want to let the, the gospel and the word of God do the work, not through show, not through, you know, giftedness, but through just God's spirit through his word and we have this pastors, um, you know, coalition of 15 to 20 pastors. One of the pastors is in Stockholm, and like, in passing, I said to Jeff and my mom, like, hey, you guys should check out this Gospel Coalition Nordic Church, and they're like, ah, yeah, they're like, there's no good churches here, like, we're giving up, you know, and, but like, three weeks ago, they started attending this, this TGC Nordic Church, and they love it. It's like a breath of fresh air, so just a real encouragement to me, and stories of little ways God is working through our ministry, so... One more thing about Denmark, and that is that right now there's a law being passed in Denmark, just to give you a flavor of how post-Christian it is, a law being promoted by the ruling party and government to allow children to change gender from the age of zero. Like, they get to decide from the age of zero. So, that doesn't even make any sense, like I actually don't even know how you would ask a zero-year-old, zero year you know, and so, anyway, not, not to make it about social issues, of course, but... This is the reality we're living with. It's very post-Christian. It's much further down the line from what you guys are experiencing here. So, But today, I want to bring a word for you guys from Psalm 80. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those. Psalm 80. And I'm calling this message, Out of Exile. And um, the idea is that there is this exile that happens in the history of God's people in the Old Testament. How many of you guys have heard of, of the exile before? Yeah? Right? And, you know, God put this on my heart because I think from what I know of where you guys are at, that it might feel a bit like you're in exile. Um, exile is just the Lord, he removed people from their land, their homeland, and it was a time of, of discipline in some ways. Um, but let me, you know, why, why talk about this? Why talk about this? Um, besides where, where we're, we're at here at Redeemer. Um, I think the culture, it's crazy how much the culture talks about this, this idea. Exile. Feeling sort of this sense of like, ah, we don't really know where we belong. Um, I'm going to make an old reference here. Audio Slave. Any Audio Slave fans? They have this song, Out of Exile. Okay, Out of Exile. And it says, when I first came to this island that I called by my own name, I was happy in this fortress. In my exile I remained. But the hours grew so empty and the ocean sent her waves in the figure of a woman and she pulled me out to sea. Oh, when you come and take me home, oh send my soul away. Oh when you come round you'll make me whole, oh send my soul away. This is a theme that our culture is struggling with, I think. We've kind of been in Denmark looking, but it seems like there's a bit of homelessness happening, right? I haven't been here for four years in America, but you guys you guys are our sending church. You know that? Like you're our sending church. That means a lot to us. And we were here to help start this church like Glenn said and and it's been a hard season. Uh, you may feel discouraged, disoriented, but I know some of you perhaps also are looking for a new sense of resolve, a new sense of commitment to this body. And I, I, I see that, like, you guys are a big church, actually. <laughs> Copenhagen, you guys would be like a very big church, you know. Like, mega church is like 300 people in Copenhagen. It's like, you know, mega church. So um, I hope you guys just know that they're there is a way forward, and there's psalms in the Bible written from exile and written about exile and written about what that means. And you know there's other examples that I, I looked at this week, Psalm 44, 139, '85. But I chose Psalm 80. Um, and I also want to highlight uh, the character of Ezra briefly, in his role in the post-Exile era. Um, he was also disoriented. There was also a time of rebuilding. And there was also stops and starts. That's one of the common themes. And I understand also you guys are in a season of prayer. Praise the Lord. That's why my time is short. Um, So I'm going to just walk us through this text and talk a little bit about that, about the prayers that we see in Psalm 80, out of exile. So Lord, just be with us now as we look at your word. Open it. I pray that I would get out of the way. I pray that this microphone um, that's on my ear um, that Glenn awkwardly put on me um, would, would be in your hand, God, and would be at your lips. Uh, that the word, word would do its work. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have two points from an entire chapter of Psalms. That's, so that's kind of crazy. So two points, exclamations and expectations. Can everybody say that? Exclamations and expectations. You guys, come on, you guys are Baptists, right? Come on, like, exclamations, expectations. All right, let's start in verse one. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. I love this. You guys need to be led by the shepherd of Israel, which is the Lord. And you're in a season, I know, where there's a search team. And, and I, hope, I hope like this idea of sh- shepherd, like God is our shepherd, this is so rich, so biblical, so old in the Bible. Let me keep reading. You who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we might be saved. So, like I said, this is written from exile. You can hear this longing, this desire to be back, back to God as they know him, right? And there's this repeated phrase in this, in this, and we see it here for the first time, verse three. Let your face shine that we may be saved. I love how Glenn started the service. I know you guys are asking God, how would you reveal yourself? And that is how he saves us. That's how he saves us. Let me keep reading verse four. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? So this is where I get my first point, exclamations. And that, the point is this. Let your discouragements and struggle bring you to this place of honest, authentic, crying out and relationship with God. God is the shepherd of his people. And we are always at best just his sheepdogs as leaders in the church. And we, he- we see here in verse 4 an exclamation of prayer to God. Um, in verse 4, it's the vocative case in biblical Hebrew. Vocative which basically means they stick this thing O in there in English. And, and I don't think we really have that in English, so it's kind of odd for us to see it, but it's this, it's this crying out, this calling, this sort of wailing out to God and saying crazy things. like, do you, do you read this? How long will you be angry with your people's prayers? When was the last time you, 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 you exclaimed to God like that? I think we're afraid sometimes. We don't want to be impious. And I respect that totally. We want to honor God. He is sovereign. But I think we miss something when we aren't willing to pray. Like, like don't try to be a better prayer than the Bible. Right? That's fair. Um, try to pray like the Bible says. I think that's good. Don't, um, and we see this in the Lord's Prayer, too. Jesus We've taken the Lord's Prayer, in many ways we've made it into this ritual. We just kind of memorize and say it. But like the whole setup to the Lord's Prayer is Jesus for a long time saying don't pray like the Pharisees. Like, don't make this into a ritual. Like, have a relationship with me. Right? Um, God wants a closeness with his people. Not a contract. Not a contractual relationship. And I know we know that, I think, sort of, but I think my generation sort of stops saying this thing, like, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. We're like, wow, oh, we don't believe that, that's weird, we don't, but that's actually still true, you know, like, that's, a, <laughs> that's actually a really important part of our walk, and as, as you guys are walking through this season, I think, individually, God wants that. He wants to draw near to you in your sense of pain, in your sense of exile, and the thing is, like, it's easy to relate to God in a religious way, as a contractual Like, what's hard is to actually pray honestly to God and say, like, how long, Lord? And we see this in Denmark, for sure. Denmark is very post-Christian, but there's still a state church in Denmark, so that's kind of interesting. It's a state Lutheran church. There's good Lutherans over there. I'm going to seminary Lutheran school. Nothing wrong with Lutherans. I know there's some Lutherans around here. Um, But the Lutheranism there in the state church is very watered down. You basically become a member automatically at birth um, through baptism, and then they basically say this child's sins is washed away, they're a member of the family of God, and there's this weird sort of dysphoria that people feel, like, oh, I'm, I'm saved, like, I, I, I was saved there, um, and then they want to, like, identify as Christian, but they're not really allowed to, like, turn and repent, and it's this whole, it's this whole situation, um, we, we have to be willing to cry out to God, honestly, and I encourage you to do that. And I think there remains a plentiful harvest for you guys here in Cedar Rapids. If you stand for the gospel individually and say, like, we want to be close to God, we want to call out to him and ask him for guidance, um, even if you feel like you're in exile, even if you feel like, you know, you've lost your identity. Um... So let me keep reading verse five. You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Here it is again, that same phrase, right? And it comes up again in verse 19. This is kind of what binds this psalm together. And here's the deal (laughs) <laughs> like, that is a rich theology that, that we have here at Redeemer. And that remains true, not because of some trend or because of some particular, you know, leader or book or whatever. Like, this is the Word of God. Like, the way that God has always worked, He made the world to make His face shine. Like all of the world is to reveal God's beauty, his face. And we have turned away from him in sin. And we said, God, we don't we, we don't need that. We can be satisfied in other things. And God could have judged us, right? He could have sent another flood and ended everything, but he didn't. He was compassionate. He sent Christ for our sins. And he didn't say, Become good, become religious, do the right thing. He said look at Jesus, look at, his, look at my glory in his face, and you will be saved, you will be saved from the destruction that is to come, and you will have an awesome life, I think some of the younger generations, I've noticed, like, they want to hear, how does my life, how is my life actually going to work out, you know, like, when I, when I was in high school, I didn't really care, like, I want to know what was true, what was right, like, but now it's, like, corona, and all this mental health stuff, like, feel like people want to know like what what is going to actually bring joy and it is the face of god that remains the truth redeemer church that remains the truth verse 8 you brought a vine out of egypt you drove out the nations and planted it you cleared the ground for it and you took deep root and filled the land the mountains were covered with his shade the mighty cedars with its branches here's actual cedars i know there's no cedars in cedar rapids especially anymore right derecho and Here's the actual cedars. Verse 11, It sent out its branches to the sea, and it shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass along it this way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine. There's so much imagery packing here, I don't have time to go through it all. Here's my second point, expectations. Everybody say expectations. God hold God to his promises pray with expectation you guys are in a season of calling out to God and struggle but I want to just encourage you to have hope like and expect God to work you guys have made a really hard decision at this church and praise the Lord for these two brothers they're doing an awesome awesome job and it is not easy. It is not easy what they have done. And here's the deal. Like, God, God he wants to reveal himself. He wants to revive Cedar Rapids again. And, and, he, and, and we see this model. Like, expect great things. Um, look at verse 12. He says, Why? To God like he's saying like God there's this expectation that you've laid out and it's not happening why verse verse 14 here we just read turn again O God of hosts like God usually tells us to turn like repent and like this psalmist is saying like God no you turn like turn the tides God verse 18 then we shall not turn back he's looking into the future and saying if this happens then something's going to change Like, he's bold. It's a bold prayer. Expectant prayer. Prayer full of hope. Okay? Counting on God's intervention. In Denmark, cultural Christianity, like I said, has kind of watered things down. And like, basically, (laughs) like, and again, I'm generalizing. If any of the Danes are listening to this, I love you. You know that. There's lots of wonderful things. It's the happiest city in the world. We ride our bikes everywhere. It's kind of like the shire of (laughs) Europe. It's awesome. Um, But the thing is, the Christianity has been so watered down by the state church that when you pray, it's like a Hail Mary. You know, it's like, yeah, we'll see what happens there. You know, like, you know, people pray every now and then, but it's like, we all know better. You know, it's like Hail Mary at the end of the Iowa game, right? Um, We all know what that's, any Hawkeyes? Yeah, we know, but that's the way, yeah. Um, Orthodox belief in Denmark is kind of like believing in the tooth fairy. Um, it's a fun thing, you know, for the kids, but, but let's not be naive. Um, we all know better. And, and this is in large part why the church in Denmark resorts to a lot of a pragmatism, whatever works. There's a lot of territorialism. Um, people are, don't, have very little patience for theology. It's like, oh, we don't need that theology stuff. We're, like, we'll just, we're all about Jesus and... Um, I just want to tell you a story, and this, this one actually might get me in trouble. I don't know, but I'm not that big of a deal, so you know I can just say stuff. There's a pastor, a Baptist pastor of a historic church downtown Copenhagen. It's Pride Parade right now. Actually, our church plant met where Pride Parade goes this morning downtown, and it's a crazy Pride Parade, not because there's more gay people there necessarily, just because it's like everybody wants to like make sure that they're, they're on that team. And um, a lot of nudity and stuff, tons of nudity in Copenhagen. And Anyway, there's this pastor who I know, I actually like his, he writes music, I really like his music, um, and, and, and he's a good guy, I really like him, um, but he posted on Facebook this thing that says, like, Pride Parade is like a modern retelling of the parable of the banquet that Jesus told, where all the sinners are marching down the streets and all of the self-righteous religious people are watching by. And not participating. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? Um, and it makes me sad. It makes me sad. And there's very little actual, like, it's like this is, we have to use the cultural strategies. We have to use, we have to do what they're doing, okay? Um, but pray with expectation, okay? Pray with expectation. Um, and let me just close these last few verses here. Verse 15, the stock that your right hand planted... And for the son whom you made strong for yourself, they have burned it with fire. They have cut it down, that they may perish and rebuke your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then, we, then here again, then we will not turn back to you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine, there it is again, that we may be saved. So Ezra is this character And I'm just going to just briefly mention him. If you want to go read the book of Ezra, it's like 10 chapters. I don't have time to, I'm going to cut most of it. But he he was leading the people. He was called to lead the people back to rebuild the temple. And there's just these constant pressures. There's constant resistance. There's constant people that literally are just cutting his legs out from under him. And it's like the moment they get a step forward, And that's consistent throughout the post-exilic era. There's this like, it's like the hand of God was upon us, and there's excitement, and then there's a stop. And it's like, oh. And each of the the leaders, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, they all have this experience. So like, I just want to say, expect that. Expect that. And there's this passage like in Ezra where the men are weeping because they're saying, we're not what we once were. The new temple Cannot be restored to its former glory. It's um, Ezra three ten to to thirteen, but I won't go into there. But it's this it's this chaotic scene because some of the elders are are crying and they're saying, oh, this will never be the same." But some of the people are are, are weeping for joy because of the hope and the expectation they have. And it literally says nobody can really tell who's happy and sad. <laughs> it's, it's like this chaos, um, and I think there may be application. For for redeemer as a whole, there if the Lord puts that on your heart. But what about for us individually? Like, like I said, we're living in the greatest boom of mental health crisis amongst youth the world has ever seen. But we have to ask ourselves: like, are we calling God? Are we authentically going to Him and exclaiming and expecting from God? Do we find ourselves saying, you know, doom and gloom? The best of days of America are behind us. Do we find our, or do we find ourselves saying what we see the psalmist saying? Like, God meets us in this chaos, in this exile, okay? How are you personally exclaiming to God? How are you expecting from God? I encourage you, in, in the midst of, of a hard season, return to your first love. Return to those, like, fuddy-duddy traditions of, like, quiet time, Work for the Southern Baptist now. We're really big into quiet time. And at first I was like, ah, you know, but hey, like, yeah, that's great. Like that's, I have four kids. Like quiet time. I value that, you know, like how are you being expectant of God? What are you hoping for change? Are you sitting on the fence in your involvement in your relationship with God to wait and see how things are going to go? Or are you obediently willing to sacrifice? Our culture is still longing for this, guys. Like the mentally sick youth, the corona era, all this stuff. Like, will we stand ready and expectant in our relationship with God for our children, for our neighbors? So let me close with Audio Slave again. Um, show you how to live, right? I love this song. Show me how to live. Show me how to live by Audio Slave. It says Built with stolen parts, a telephone in my heart. Oh, telephone in my heart. That was pr- prophetic right there, huh? Um, this was like in the 90s or something, right? Someone get me a priest. To put my mind to bed, this ringing in my head, is this a cure or is this a disease? And then he says, nail in my hand for my creator. You gave me life. Now show me how to live. People are saying that to you, Redeemer Church. Like In Lindale Mall, like, they're saying that. Nail in my hand for my creator, you gave me life. Now show me how to live. Let me just close briefly. God, um, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Redeemer Church. And we do pray that you would make your face to shine upon us, that we may be saved. Um, We pray that you would lead lead us individually in our lives. We're all in seasons of exile to various degrees. But um, particularly we pray for this body, Thank you, Lord, for this body. Thank you for the blessings and the prayers that they have been for us. And um, we pray that your hand would be upon us now as we enter a time of prayer and response. Lord God, we seek your face. We call out to you. Um, make your face to shine upon us that we might be saved. In Jesus' name, Amen.